Welcome to Which Side Do You Want, where we talk all things tennis. I'm your co-host, Ruffin Thornton, and I'll be joined by my good friend, James Skinner. Unlike most tennis podcasts, we cover hot topics, from the lawns to the concrete, from the pros to the park, and all things in between. Welcome to Which Side Do You Want? Right. Welcome back, tennis fans. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's been an exciting two weeks of the championships at Wimbledon. <laughs> yes, it has. But we must tip our hats off to our women's champion, Ashley Barty. Give her a round of applause. Hey! And Australia, mate. <laughs> men's champion, Novak Djokovic. Hey! Oh, no, no, oh, no love for Novak. No, Come on, know. Rob. Come on. Come on, y'all. Just like the British... Just like the British crowd, man. They were, right. they were not trying to give Nobody Novak no love, love man. <laughs> but now that Wimbledon's over, we now look forward to the upcoming Olympics. Go USA. Go USA. And the hardcourt season leading up to the U.S. Open. So let's talk about the biggest talking point in today's game after Novak's win at the Wimbledon Championships. The GOAT. Greatest of all time. The GOAT. Yep. We talk about it. Many fans have their favorite players who've been considered arguably the greatest of all time, but who do we really measure or how do we really measure as the GOAT? That's what that's what we're gonna figure out. So James, how you doing, man? Hey Ruffin, I'm doing fine. And I I also um I wanna say something real quick. Go ahead. Before we get started. Uh it was brought to my attention that in our previous episode, I was talking about uh, a few female tennis players, and in my talking about the female the the, the tennis players, I made a reference in in referencing the young lady. I instead of calling a young lady, I referred to her as a girl, and then I referred to another one as a child. Not only did my wife confront me about this, but also I had someone send me an email, and also had a good friend, and also I threw it. I want to that that came off as dismissive and I want to come out right now and apologize to any young lady that listened to that and felt that I was dismissive and you have a right to come in and get in my face and say, James, uh, uh-uh, uh, that's not right. And I know I should know better, but we were just talking and I was running my mouth and not really clearly thinking about what I was saying. But I just want to say to any female out there, tennis player, fan, whoever, whatever, let me tell you something. I love the women's game. I don't feel like girls, and I and I a lot of that also is because I'm old, and these girls, they're no, now go back and said it right. again, but these young ladies, to me, are like girls, but right. I'm not referring to them. They are young ladies. They are young, gifted athletes right. who have worked hard, who have deserved all the accolades that they get, and they deserve our admiration. And I do admire. I love the women's game, and I'm never going to make that mistake again. And I just want to go out there and put that out there. I apologize. Anybody, if you heard that and was offended by that, I apologize yes. because that's that was totally that was totally an error on my part. Yeah, we don't want to be dismissive at all. No, to any any person who's plays the sport that I'm we love. telling you that we love and respect, much respect to all, all right. of them. All right. So let's get back to our all criteria right. for the goat. Yes. Now we everybody has their own criteria, I guess, of what you think it takes. Uh, for a player to be considered the greatest of all time. Um, so we came up with five uh, five little components that we think if you uh, stand out in these five components, then those are the things, those are the categories that we feel uh, would 
would make you uh, in that level that somebody would consider you the greatest of all time. Now, the first one we had was the total number of Grand Slam titles. How many Grand Slam titles do you own? Right. Okay. Uh, that is the benchmark of our sport. I mean, that's you are measured by how many slams you win. If you get in a, you're, you're a player and you want to, you think you might get into the Hall of Fame one day, you better have one or two Grand Slam titles under your belt to even be considered. Yes. Um, now, the next one we talked about, we looked at is weeks at number one. How many weeks? How long was that player the number one player in the world? Okay, that means beating all comers and staying on top. Also, the next criteria was head-to-head -head against your top competitors. How did you do against the best of the best at your time? And then another, the fourth criteria we looked at is total number of tournaments won right. as a professional. And the fifth is the longevity in the sport. How long have you been in the sport at the top level. Now, how long were you, you know, tennis player and you were number one for a week and then you dropped off and you were like 1,000 for the rest of your career? No. How long were you at that upper echelon in your sport? Right. So, so those, are, those are the ones that we selected. Now, we also now we want to come down to the players. Right. So on the men's side, we chose uh, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer, Pete Sampras, and Rod Laver. Again, using those based on the criteria as Grand Slams, um, these are our, the, the players that have won the most Grand Slams. So that's our top five. Okay, now for the women, we looked at Serena Williams, Steffi Graf, uh, Martina Navratilova, Margaret Court, and Chris Evans. So with that said, these are our top five in the men's and women's side for Okay, so we've decided our criteria for both the, the GOATs on the men's and women's side. So James, let me ask you, which side do you want? The men or the women? All right, Rafino, let's go ahead and start with the men. And when we look at the uh, First of our GOAT criteria, we're looking at uh, we're looking at the total number of Grand Slam titles. Now, uh, when we look at, of course, Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, and Novak Djokovic now own 20 Grand Slam titles, right. more than anyone. So we're going to go ahead and just, based on that alone, we're going to move the three of them away from Pete and Rod, Rod, uh, Rod Laver. Now, of that, um, I'm going to give, even though all three of them have 20, I'm going to give the edge to Novak Djokovic. Why is that? The reason I'm going to do that is because Novak Djokovic has wins at Wimbledon on grass against Roger Federer. Considered his best surface. Which is considered his best surface. But also, Novak has wins against Rafa Nadal on clay. In Paris at Roland Garros. Considered his greatest. Considered surface. his greatest, greatest surface. Now, you look at Rafa's win-loss record at Roland Garros on clay period, but especially at Roland Garros. I mean, he's, um, so, it's it's that the fact that Novak has wins against both of these players on their best surface. Yeah. 
Exactly. At the height of their careers. Yeah. Exactly. I believe Novak's the only person that's beaten Nadal twice at Roland Garros. Exactly. Exactly. So that, based on that alone, I'm giving Novak the edge in the crack as far as the category of uh, number of Grand Slam titles won. Right. Now, the second uh, criteria for our candidates for the GOAT, we looked at weeks at number one. All right, now, uh, when we're talking about uh, how, how long they were at the top of the game, and we came at that Novak leads this now. Mm -hmm. You said 300 and... 328. 328, okay. Well, Rogers at 310, Rafa's at 205. I think that's a... That's a done deal. Yeah. So no, we're going to give the edge to Novak. And keep in mind now, I think the thing that we really want to pay attention to, and I'm not trying to, I'm not hyping Novak over anybody else. I know we got some Federal fans out there, and some Nadal fans, Nadal fans and y'all like, like, what is he? Is a Novak love fest? No, it's not. We're just doing this based on the numbers. Right. Based on our numbers. And so we got to give Novak the edge on this one too because he's just got more, he's uh has more weeks than number one right. in a shorter period of time. Absolutely, that, and he's gonna he's gonna continue his yeah. uh, expanding this lead that he exactly. has over Roger with three twenty eight plus because right now he's number one, and it's gonna be a while before anyone comes close. I exactly, mean, I believe Medvedev right now is number two in the world, but he's so far behind because of the yeah. number of points he that he can win. Yeah, and can he can he stay long enough? You know, at the top of his game to have that kind of longevity, right. we just don't know. He's too young, but right now, as of this moment. Got to get an edge to Novak. Right. So now we come down to head to head. How do they go up against each other? Now, once again, I'm pulling Roger and Rafa and Novak away from away from Pete Sampras and Rod Laver just simply because uh, the only person in this list that Pete Sampras ever played was Roger Federer, and he lost to him. Okay. Right. So, and then Rod Laver, of course, was from a totally different era. So we're gonna we're gonna just pull this up to Roger, Novak, and Rafa. Now, when we look at the head to head, let's first look at Roger Federer against Rafa Nadal. All right, Ruffin in that one, uh, Rafa Nadal leads Roger Federer in the head to head, twenty four to sixteen. Okay, um, clear advantage. Clear advantage. Now, of course, Roger has the edge on him on grass. But, you know, you, we don't have to tell you who, who has the edge on clay. Right. And on the indoor, Federer leads an indoor uh, matches 5-1, to one, but Rafa uh, beats him 8-6 to six on outdoor courts. And that's surprising. Yeah, outdoor. Huh? So, now, we're looking at, so on that one, so Rafa has the edge on Roger Federer head-to-head. -head. So, now, let's look at how uh, Roger goes against Novak Djokovic. On this one, Novak has the lead head-to-head -head on Roger Federer, 27-23. to 23. That's close. Yeah, it's close. But keep in mind, Novak still has been playing this. He's done this in less time than Roger had, Joe. Which, I guess, relative to the fact that they're playing each other, so it really doesn't matter. I don't know why I even said that. But any event, <laughs> any event Novak leads Roger in their head-to-head. Now, let's look at Rafa versus Novak. Right. Novak comes out on top again against uh, Rafa Nadal, 30 to 28. And climbing. And climbing, exactly. He's going to continue to win, folks. And uh, so, on this one, as far as head to head, based on the fact that Novak leads both Roger and 
Nadal in head and Rafa Nadal in head to heads. I'm going to give the edge to jo Novak Djokovic again yeah. on the head to head. Okay, I can I can go with that. Yeah. Now, total number of pro tournament titles. Okay. And uh, we have uh, Rafa over 100. I mean Rafa, Roger Federer at 103, um, and then we have Rafa Nadal at 83, and Novak Djokovic. Now I have right at this point. Is that I had 85. Right. Okay, 85. So, pro titles won. So, I, f I kind of went back and forth on this one, back and forth, and I've changed my mind on this like two or three times. Uh, Rafa had, I mean, Roger Federer has the most tournament titles. Right. But he's had longer to get them. Okay. Okay, we can give him, I, I can give him that. Yeah, Rafa Nadal has 83. But he came turned on the pro tour maybe about three years after Roger did. Um, and Novak Djokovic, he comes in at 85. Right. He got less than all of them. So, based on that alone, even though he doesn't have as many titles, but if, if he has the longevity, if he lasts uh, in the game as long as Roger Federer, if he's playing until he's 40 or 41, will he have 103? Probably. If he stays healthy, if you're doggone tooting. He's going to have, he gonna have way, 100. The way, the way he's, he's playing, Ray, he, yeah, takes care of himself. Yeah. I see him I see him surpassing that. So I'm going to give Djokovic the edge on total number of pro titles just based on the potential that he has to surpass yeah. uh, that 103 total by yeah. Federer. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I, I agree because Novak still projects to, to win at least six to seven tournaments a year if he plays – you know, you do the math. If he plays what, let's say three more years, that's yeah. twenty-one more tournaments. That puts him over Roger right there. Exactly. Assuming that Roger doesn't win another tournament in his career. Right. Right. Uh, and it certainly will have him pass Rafa, um, who, by the way, has eighty-eight, not eighty-three. But okay. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, also, I got some other numbers since we we put Pete and Rod Laver in different categories. Here's something that's real really nice to consider with Rod. Um, with Rod Laver, he had a total of 198 tournament yeah. wins. Now, of those 198, 72 were in the open air. Yeah. So that puts him right up in front of Pete. Yeah. But you figure 198 and 72 in the open air because yeah. that's a whole other whole different yeah. animal. You know, yeah. the, the, the rules of tennis were different back then. You know, Rod played as an amateur, uh, and he, had, he played as a pro, and he did well in both. But you, I'll let you speak on that later. Um, so yeah, uh, the the tournament wins is really incredible. And of course, for those Pete Sampras fans that still think that he's really in the running, um, he only had sixty four. But again, Pete chose picked and choose chose uh, which tournaments that he he wanted to. To play, so right. that's why he doesn't have as many wins. Yeah, but still great player. Yeah, great player. We can't take anything away from Pete Sampras, and I know those Sampras fans out there. Um, like I said, this is this is based on the numbers, you know, as we see them. And when we look at the last category, it's longevity. How long did they stay at the top? You know, at, at the top of their game, uh, or years as a pro. And we go with Roger Federer. We got twenty three years. Rafa Nadal, 20, 
and Novak Djokovic 18 years in the game. Now, keep in mind, they didn't start their careers at number one. So each one of them had sort of like a baby three-year mm-hmm. period before they started, you know, up that ladder to be up the top, upper echelons of the sport. Yeah, top ten or better. Exactly. So I'm still on this one, folks. I'm sorry. I just still got to give the edge to Djokovic. And the reason why, and I know a lot of people disagree with me on this because they say, well, James, you just said the numbers don't lie. Yeah, but these numbers are because of the fact that they're still active players. You, we, these, this, this isn't. This is past, but past is is, is continuing. It's yeah. continually evolved. And I'm just thinking about where will he be when, if he has the same amount of time in this game and the same health and everything as Federer, will he surpass Federer? And I got to believe he will. Yeah, I got to believe he will. So based on that alone, it's not that I'm saying that Federer's numbers don't count. Heck, yeah, they count. That's Those numbers are phenomenal. Yeah. But yeah. I'm looking at yeah I'm sorry Rick. yeah that that that's all I'm just saying I got to give the edge to Djokovic again because I feel like once it's all said and done he's gonna blow out all those numbers yeah I agree um, and, and like James said um, both these three active players are still playing so their numbers are likely to, to increase yeah so you got to give that as well uh, that edge to Novak because he's more. He's the younger of the three. He's more likely to um, be at his best for a little bit longer. Let's assume that both Rafa and Novak play as long as Roger. Well, then you can project that both of them will have better numbers than Roger overall. Yeah. But that still doesn't mean you don't have a favorite. It just that's just the case. Right. So what about the other um, two? Yeah. Yeah. We we kind of because of the fact that we we threw in Pete Sampras, Pistol Pete, and we threw in the Rocket, Rod Laver. And I'm up first, before we get into Pete, let's go to Rod Laver because you brought up some real good points that I think people need to recognize. I, and I want us to understand that we put asterisks, I put asterisks by Rod Laver's name. And I put the asterisk there, not that there's, just because there's certain, there's special circumstances with Rod Laver. His numbers, his numbers are very good, but his career, like Ruffin was talking about, he played, he started his career before open tennis existed. Right. And at this time, you know, when he started playing a game, you had only amateurs could play in the major Grand Slam tournaments. Right. You don't play in Wimbledon, the U.S. Open. At that, 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 that time, I think it was called the United States National Tournament totally. or something like yeah. that, and, and Australian and French. So no professionals could play, only amateurs. So once you... Uh, you were an amateur. Once you decided to um, turn pro, turn pro, you could no longer play in those tournaments, yeah. and that took a whole chunk out of his out of his playing career. And so we wonder. I mean, I just wonder based on his numbers and how much he played. How many titles would he have had had there been open tennis? Had he been allowed to play in those years? That that gap period between what sixty two and sixty eight, he was right. out because mm-hmm. he won he won the Grand Slam, folks. He won a calendar Grand Slam yeah. as an amateur. amateur. They came right back uh, six years later, and or no, ten, seven years. It later, was seven years later, and won it as a professional. Right. Okay, calendar Grand Slam, and um, which no one has done since. No one's done since. I mean, Novak had all four titles at the same time, but they were not in the calendar year. We're in calendar, he didn't do it in one year, and which is what he's attempted to do now. Right. Um, he could, he could very well if he. Uh, you know, wins the U.S. Open, 
uh, he would he could very well have that counter grand slam. And of course, if he decides to go to to play in the Olympics, which is up in the air now um, because of the strict protocol, strict uh, COVID protocols, a lot of players are decided not to go. But he he may still go, but he's not sure. But he could also have the Golden Slam, right? And that would, to me, that would just you know, yeah. uh, that's something that no man has done, ever done. Ever yeah. done. That would tie him with only one person ever, and that's, that's Stephanie. That's we'll, right. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about yeah. that. All right. So, based on that, so we've given we've given Novak the edge. Um, we've given on the edge on uh, total number Grand Slams. Uh, Novak gets the edge on weeks at number one. Novak gets the edge on head-to-head against his top contemporaries. I gave Novak the edge on total number of tournaments based on the fact that they're still playing these tournaments and longevity in this sport based on the fact, once again, that they're still playing the top three players and what his potential will be if his career is as long as Federer's. Uh, I gave the edge to Djokovic again. So he gets to for me, he gets five out of five. So based on that, based on our criteria, five out of five, I have to give the title of go. And I know a lot of people are screaming at me right now. <laughs> yeah, I know, know you are. And, and, and folks, you got to know, I, I'm a Federer fan. Everybody knows I'm a Federer fan. But I gotta get this one based just on these numbers. I gotta give it to the Joker. Yeah, I, I hate to I hate to begrudgingly agree with you on that one. I'm a Roger fan too. Have been since I yeah. saw him down in Miami. Definitely uh, hoped that Novak wouldn't surpass his numbers this quickly, but he he certainly is. Yeah, the fact that he's beaten Roger, the fact that he's beaten uh, Rafa, you know it. You 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 can't. The numbers don't lie. You you can't argue with it really. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and and then our other two criteria. I'm sorry, our yeah. other two yeah. players that we put in for the criteria, Rod and Pete. Yeah, their numbers just don't match up, and you know, which really speaks to the era that we're in. The last two decades that we've actually played, uh, um, saw, or seen tennis has been incredible. Yeah. You know, no, none, no three have dominated the sport. Like these three over the almost a two decade period exactly that we've than we've ever seen. No one has done no no group of players has ever nope. done this nope uh, for this length of time. This period I mean, of time, yeah. I think Bill Bill Tilden back in the twenties and thirties had a stretch where he was really really dominant for a decade, but certainly not not two. So yeah, not two, yeah. and then he ran up against the uh, three Musketeers, right? And, and they, they, that they, canceled that out. They learned to play him, yeah. So. That, that's the thing, it, it, and I agree with you, Rev. I, it's hard to – we've never seen this before. Right. And we've had rivalries, but we've never had rivalries that lasted over this, 10 years, 10 years man, this right. long. And they're still at it, yeah. folks. They're still at it. So, I once again, we're going to give you some information. You can give us your opinions on this. You can tell us what you think. But I, I'm giving the edge to the Joker. Yeah. And now, one other thing before we move on and talk about the ladies, but um, just – I was just going to tell you one thing, uh, 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 again, on Rod Laver, um, that his career had, you know, had he had the same type of career, just, you know, he was a left-handed player, uh, and he was a classic serving volley tennis player. Uh, he played doubles also. I mean, he spent a lot of career. A lot of these, 
a lot of these uh, top players we're talking about now, they didn't play doubles. But yeah. Rod did all of it, you know. And, and back at that time, they all did. They all played uh, doubles and singles. And uh, But his numbers, his numbers, based on, you know, his numbers, uh, I think we could always put him in this category as a potential. Uh, just be, But there are things that went against him that really weren't his fault. Right. Can't he can't he had nothing to do with the era that he grew up in. He can do nothing about the fact that the technology is different, the conditioning of the athletes has changed, is different, all of those things. Um, so we can't really do uh, you know a apples to apples comparison here because we're talking it's about it's unfair. It's unfair. So he is still his numbers for what he did for the period of time he did don't lie either. Yeah. They just don't stack up to what we have now. And like I said, it's it's, it's kind of almost unfair to him. And it's almost unfair to Pete in a way, too. Because Pete, Pete didn't have anybody really. I mean, he had some players to push him for that brief period, but yeah. it wasn't, you know, we look at Agassi, maybe Agassi that had a rivalry, but it was. Yeah. Jim Courier. Jim Courier from, American, yeah. You know. uh, he also had Kofelnikov from a Russian. Yeah, but um, not sustained. Yeah. Those were rivals. One, somebody would pop up and, and they come back. Come back down. And, you know, yeah. you but know, it wasn't Becker. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. bit. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. No, yeah, so we can say easily, and Pete dominated the 90s, but like I said, these three have dominated the 2000s and the 2010s. Tens, yep. And the beginning of the 2020s, exactly. which is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So they, they're the favorites. And so you can say what you want, but, yeah. you know, Roger Federer, he's about to turn 40 next month. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, all these guys are going to be in their mid 30s to 40s, and they are still, when they walk on the court, the expectation is they're going to win. They're going, they're, yeah. they're going to do well if not yeah. if not win. Yeah, so the longevity. And we there are other players too, you know, um, uh, Kenny Rosewall. One amazing he, – he's another amazing person that we didn't put – he would be that asterisk. We'll put him – we can't really make say that he's the GOAT. They always say he's the greatest player never to have won Wimbledon. Right. And and he, he used to – he and Roger uh, – Rod, Rod Laver, before the open era, before the open tennis, they played each other over 100, and I think they, they had a 65-65 record against each other. Tied. 65. <laughs> that's pre-open era, okay? And then after the open era, once open era started, then Rod had the edge because he finished up with 89-75 edge over Kenny Rosewall. But um, but the thing is, what I did find out is that uh, Rod had a losing record against somebody, and it was Lou Holt. And he's that mystery player that you know. I, I've never seen Lou Hold play because um, he was he had he had long retired before we even got into the game. But from what I've heard about him and read about him, he was a phenomenal tennis talent. Um, and he had a winning record against Rod Laver. And they said that he was the type of player. Uh, you know, I would have loved to have seen him play, but they said he had a big game. His game was kind of ahead of its time. You know, mm, okay. big power serve, big forehand, and he. But they said that he didn't, he wasn't the best, you know, he didn't take as good a care of himself. And he was prone to, he liked to drink, drink his beer and stuff and enjoy his life. And they said he had some physical injuries, had a bad back problem, I think they said. But I would like to see him play because I keep hearing all of these people talk about what, a, about you know, yeah, about Lou Holt. He's like a legend. And I always see these pictures of him, but I never really saw him play. And, uh, well, that's a good point. So there are others that we're not really considering that don't really meet our criteria. So do you have any other honorable mentions? Yes, we got a couple of honorable mentions. The first one, if we go back, this is before um, pre, uh, 
pre-open tennis. This was back in the olden days, <laughs> the old, real olden days. Um, there was a player who won the first Grand Slam. And this player was named Don Budge. Don Budge is the first. He won a, a calendar Grand Slam. I think it was 1936 or something like that. Okay. 36. And uh, different era. Um, remember now, we take we think we we don't think anything about getting on a on a, a plane and flying to Europe in in a few hours or right. going to Australia in literally a couple of hours. A couple of hours, yeah, a few hours. But at that time, you know, to go and play in Australia, you had to get on a boat. It was going to take you a couple weeks, weeks to get yeah. there. And so, um, but he did it. He did it. And they talk about Don Budge. I, you know, it's so funny. I saw Don, didn't know who he was, but I went to a, a pro celebrity tennis tournament that they held in, in Tidewater in Norfolk at the Scope a long time ago. It was in the 70s, late 70s. And Don Budge was like one of the players. One of, he was like a celebrity tennis. He was a tennis, former tennis player. And they said former Grand Slam titles. And I was like, man, who's this guy, Don Budge? This old guy. Right. But he went out there, Don Budge, and he had to have been probably in his 80s then, or wow. maybe or 70s. Okay. Maybe, uh, let's say 60s or 70s. because, and Yeah, 60s. He would probably been in his 60s then. And I just watched this old guy hit the prettiest backhand I've ever seen in my life. So <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, he must have played. Well, right. so he's, he, you know, he, he, he was also a victim of the fact that uh, amateur, you know, he couldn't play as a professional. He played as a professional, but once he played as a professional, he couldn't play Wimbledon anymore. He couldn't play, play couldn't play any of the slams. Okay. So um, he was one honorable mention. You mentioned Bill Tilden. Big Bill Tilden, Big Bill, because he was a, a great uh, American who, who had a number of grand slams. He was a yeah. dominant player. Big, big game. You don't call him Big Bill Tilden for nothing. Yeah. Um, he had a big game, big serve, big forehand. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, anybody else? Yeah. Uh, some I know you got to mention some American players. Oh yeah. Open. Oh yeah. Yeah. Look, we uh, we're talking about those who uh, who also were great players, and and not so much of the wins and losses, but the impact that they had on the game. Right. And uh, the first one I would talk about is Arthur Ashe. And the only reason why I say that is he's not the greatest. All right, now, Ruffin, by chance, do you have any honorable mentions for the men's side that you might, that you've thought about, that you'd like to add? Oh, sure. Um, so, you know, we did, they didn't quite meet the, the same metrics uh, as our top five, but uh, they certainly are definitely in the conversation for consideration. So on the men's side, American men anyway, you got Andre Agassi. He has a total of eight Grand Slams. He also has a career Grand Slam. So that's great. Yep. Um, and he, again, as a, a chief rival to Pete, uh, kind of dominated here and there in the 90s, which kind of tipped over uh, into the 2000s. Again, he had a, a he played, actually, he played Rafa, Novak, and Roger uh, in the era because his, his career kind of spanned a little bit longer than Pete's. But yeah. Andre, we all know, you know, his, his, it was, everything was, with him was about image, but yeah. it was more than just image. He has some substance at the, at one point he was considered to have the greatest return to serve. Yeah. Uh, definitely had a big, powerful forehand. Um, so yeah, he definitely was one of those players that could be considered as one of the all time greats. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Connors as well. Um, again, he, uh, ended up. Uh, for a long time in the 70s, um, was the top American player. So, yeah, 
uh, he was clearly the number one player in the world. Yeah, I don't know uh, how many um, slams Jimmy has. It's certainly not as many as Dre. I believe he has either seven or eight, but we could we could look at those numbers at a later date. But Jimmy's claim to fame was number one. He he held the number one record for the longest, up until uh, till I believe Lindell took his record, and uh, Jimmy Connors. Uh, has the most number of tournaments won, period, That's overall, right. That's true. in the open era. Again, uh, we mentioned that Rod Laver has an incredible 198 total tournaments throughout his career, but that spanned amateur and pro. And again, who knows how many tournament wins he could have had if, uh, if he didn't have to abide by all of those Restrictions. Um, restrictions that that took a, a big chunk of his career out of yeah. out, out of context. So Jimmy is on record for having the most uh, open tournaments won. Um, you mentioned Ken Roswell. Uh, or, I'm sorry, Ken Rosewall. Um, uh, he was one of those incredible players from the 40s. So again, and 50s, and 50s, and 60s, and 60s, and 70s. 70s. That's right. He did play. <laughs> He lost Jimmy Connors when he won his first Wimbledon title in what was it, 1974? 73. 73. Yeah. Okay, he played Ken Rosewall in the final. Ken Rosewall was like 100. 40. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> he's 40 in the, and then in he, the final. And then he comes to the U.S. Open. Right. And guess who he's playing in the finals again? Ken Rosewall. Now, of course, he beat the brakes off of them both times, but Ken Rosewall was like, <laughs> I know. Man, amazing. But yeah, so those are some of the honorable mentions. You did we talk more about Roy Emerson? I can't remember. No, not a whole lot, except that he was a different era. But go ahead, yeah, you can right. add him in there. I would say put him in there. Yeah. Um, so those are my honorable mentions. Yeah. Uh, for the goat category, again, yeah. they didn't have quite as many Grand Slams. They weren't number one. Uh, again, we're going by the Open Era as long because right. that's when they started to keep those records and right. keep them properly, if you, if you want to call it. Yeah. But um, certainly, the, those players are great in their own right. And again, all of these players have made it into the Tennis Hall of Fame. Yes. Yes. Which, by the way, is actually going on this week. This week, so, yeah. They're playing the tournament now. So, um, and then you think about their players that we didn't mention that. Because of the, the open era. Now, we, we talked about Roy Emerson, okay, and, and Roy won a lot of titles. I yeah. mean, he won a lot of titles. However, he run, won those titles during the open era. He wasn't playing the pros. Right. He was playing as an amateur. Now, you play who you play. You still had to win the tournament, but but you can't, you know, you can't really. He didn't play. He wasn't playing Rod Laver or Ken Rosewall or right. any of those players in that time. He wasn't playing. Uh, you know, because they'd all moved on to the pro game, and he stayed, and he was just the beating amateur. the best of the amateurs. Right now, I'm not knocking him; he still had to win the tournament, sure. and he was. But um, it it makes you know, it just kind of the numbers are just not the same. Right, they're just not the same. And then we come up to uh, somebody like uh, uh, we look at players like Pancho Gonzalez. Okay, uh, that's another great one. A great, I mean, and it's just like and and with Gonzalez, he turned pro early. You know, he, he didn't stay, he didn't, you know, because he needed to make money <laughs> and uh, he needed to, and, and, but I look at these great players like, you know, like the, uh, like uh, Ken Rosewald and then you look at, at, uh, uh, you know, look at um, 
all these other you know great players coming out uh, and they all say the same thing when they turn pro they had to play Pancho Gonzalez and they got a lesson on how to play tennis, tennis yeah. you know and there he was out there on the pro game and he was just doing nothing but beating people and who knows how many he has a US Open title I think yeah. he won it I'm not sure um, but I would I would wonder what he would have done and of course it was a different time too uh, uh, he was uh, Mexican-American um, and you know we don't know what the racial climate was but he was but they was he was the type of player to say man he didn't take nothing from nobody right. and uh, yeah, he, was, he was all business he was all business he was good he knew he was good and he my letting you know he was good so we don't know he's another one that who knows where he would have been had he had they had open tennis earlier and he would have been able to play and we'd have been able to see his his skill and his talent but you know well, that's great. So hopefully we've given you some things to think about on the men's side for a GOAT. Um, we'll have to come back to the women in our next episode. But uh, thanks again for listening to us uh, on our podcast, Which Side Do You Want? Um, and hit us up on our email address, which we will provide for you next time we're here. So until then... We'll see you on the flip side. All right. See you next time. Keep hitting that tennis ball.